Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. I'm going to read a few verses here. Starting at verse number 10, and we'll read down to verse number 23. Romans chapter 3, starting at verse 10, all the way to verse 23. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way, they are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now, We know that whatsoever things the law saith, it it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we'll ask the Lord to bless the reading of his precious word. On Sunday night, we heard about, Sunday afternoon, we heard about faith and the difference between what people like to term a leap of faith. And we understood that Faith does not involve a leap into the dark, but it it involves a one giant step, not leap, one giant step onto the firm ground of Scripture. But one thing that I, if I could criticize my own message, is this, that we didn't really speak too much about what to believe in. It's great to speak about faith. It's great to speak about the fact that you need to believe and the fact that you can believe. But I want to tell you tonight one of the things that you must believe, and it is this, that you stand before God tonight as someone who isn't saved. You stand before him naked. You stand before him in the raw. You stand before him crude. You stand before him as a sinner. We're going to see this in Romans chapter number three. One of the things we saw in Hebrews 11, and this struck me as well, Hebrews 11, uh, some people call it a hall of fame of faith. Well, I've heard that it's also the Westminster Abbey of the Bible. Well, people go to Westminster Abbey. I remember one time going through London. I was, very, I was there for a very short amount of time, had a, a connection there, and we just had the night to run around the city, running here, running there in the middle of the night. Well, we went to Westminster Abbey. You know what you find there? You'll find burials. You'll find tombs. You'll find gravestones. You'll find people that have been buried there who were famous in English and British history over the years. You're going to find their poets. You're going to find prime ministers. You're going to find actors. You're going to find fallen soldiers. You'll find people that were great in the history of that country, and they're in this one place. There's another place, and this is just a mythology. Maybe some of you have heard of this. They they call it Val 
Hala, the old Norse mythology. And that's where the slain, it means the hall of the slain, the slain soldiers, those mighty soldiers, some would be chosen and they would live in this great hall of the slain, the, the greatest people, the most important people. They're all in one place. Well, we see that in Hebrews 11. The Bible is the greatest example. All those men and women in Hebrews 11, the greatest examples of faith. I was thinking of Romans 3. It's kind of the opposite of that. It's the opposite of that. If Hebrews 11 is the hall of fame of faith, Romans chapter 3 is the Bible's hall of fame of failure. If the men in Hebrews 11 and the women as well, if they stand in that chapter as redeemed, you see in Romans chapter number 3, a great list of all the things that we see in our lives, and you see the list of the ruined before God. If you see man in his new state, a saved man, here you see a man as natural before God. It's crude. It's raw. It's real. It's what God sees when he looks at us. It's not what you see when you look in the mirror. That's what Romans chapter 3 is. It is who you really are. So as you look at this tonight and you hear these verses, don't be thinking that you're something else. This is God's analysis. This is God's examination. This is God's cross-examination, going in and going out, looking to the left and to the right, behind and in front, every single nook and cranny of your life. It's all seen here. Romans chapter 3. The sin, the sin that is in your little heart and that is in mine. Romans 3 tells us a lot about sin. It'll tell us about a sin, sins that we've done in the past, sins that we're doing right now, sins for the future. Romans chapter 3, largely in this section, gives us two different sections. The first section is this, two general sections. Number one, it tells us what we're not, and then it tells us what we are. If you tonight were to make a great, big, long list of what you're not, I can almost guarantee you it wouldn't look like this list if you're not saved. You might make a list of things that you're not, and you'll say, well, I'm not the greatest athlete. I couldn't have, somebody was saying they couldn't have tried out for the U of M and be the quarterback, something to that effect. I'm not the greatest football player. I'm not the greatest student. I'm not the greatest at my job. Whatever it is, maybe you'd have this long list of things that you're not. Well, there's a great long list of things that you're not here, and this is what you're really not. Sometimes we try to be humble. And we have this kind of feigned humility. Well, I'm not so great at this. I'm not so good at that. God isn't interested in feigned humility. God goes straight to the point. He gets right to the kernel. And he says this about you. This is what you are not. Look at these verses. If you have a Bible, look down at them. It says this. You are not. You, you do not understand. There is none that understandeth. God says you do not seek after him. There is none that seeketh after God. And he goes on and goes on and on. There is none righteous. You are not righteous. You do not do good. You do not seek after God. So when you make your list, make your list in keeping with the list that we see here in Romans chapter 3. Not some list that you have in your mind of what you think you are. I'm telling you, God is telling you tonight, this is what he thinks about you. This is what God thinks about man. This is what he sees in man. There is none righteous. There is none that seek after God. There is none that doeth good. This is what God sees in you. Do you agree with him? Do you agree with him? This is the authoritative analysis, examination, and checkup for your real, your actual life. 
Do you agree with what God says about you? The second list in second category in Romans 3 is this. It's what you are. Oh, we can make big, great big lists about who we are. Oh, just a big long list. I'm this. I'm handsome. I'm smart. I'm sharp. I'm this, that, and I'm the other thing. You might not say that to other people. Great list of things that you're looking for. I remember I had a friend when I was younger and before we were married, and he had this list of things that he was looking for in a wife. And every time he was to a conference or something of that description, he'd take that list and he'd compare all the girls and this great list of things that he wanted his wife to be. He's married now. He found a good wife. But we make, we make big, long lists of what we think we are. This is what God thinks you are. This is what God thinks you are. This isn't some list of a specific section of society. This is you. Let's be honest with the scriptures tonight. Be honest before God this evening. Become right with God this very evening. This is what God thinks about you tonight, not someone else, about you. This is what you are. What does he say? Look down again at your Bible. Look down. He says this. Going past verse 11. This is what you are. You have gone out of the way. You have become unprofitable. You are one of those people whose throat is an open sepulcher. You're one of those people whose tongues have used deceit. You're one of those people whose lips, underneath those lips, the poison of asps is underneath those lips. It says here that your mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. It says here your feet, your feet, are swift to shed blood. It says here that you, you have in your ways destruction and misery. It says here something that you don't know. It says you don't know the way of peace. Here's another negative. He says there is no fear of God before your eyes. And we can go through the great list of what you're not. And we can go through this grand list of what you actually are. And there are people in this room tonight. And the great tragedy is this. You are listening to the word of God. You're hearing what, we, what we're saying about what you are. And as you're hearing it, you're denying it. And you're saying it's not true. That's sad. It's tragic. If there is a person in this meeting tonight and you do not agree with what God thinks about you, if you walk out of this room and you do not agree with the words that God says about you and about your condition, you'll never be saved. You'll never know God. You'll never be with Him for all eternity. If you cannot agree with God in the first place, on these first points and this foundation on these basic truths about you if you can't start at square one with god you'll never get to what he wants to give you he wants to give you salvation if you don't understand sin you will never understand calvary if tonight you're trying to understand exactly well how was it that him dying on the cross gives me salvation how exactly does that work what is it that I need to do? How much faith can I put in? How strong does my faith have to be? What exactly do I need to do? I talked to a lady at her door today and she said this. Well, you know, I am a person. Uh, you people have misconceptions about me and about my religion and so on. But we really believe the same thing. We too make a commitment to God and to the Lord Jesus Christ. We also make a commitment. I don't read anything in the Bible about God saying the way you're saved is by making a commitment to him. It's not a misconception. It's true. 
There's nothing in the Bible about making a commitment to God in order for God to give you a forgiveness for your sins. What the Bible says is this. You are helpless and you've gone down that road of life sinning against God every day, offending a holy God. And for that reason, you are beyond. You've gone further. You've gone so far. There's nothing you you can do to save yourself. You are so helpless that you need someone to come. I, I was thinking, I like thinking a lot about Peter. And Peter, one time the apostle Peter is in the ocean and he, he starts drowning in, in that sea. And then a hand comes out. And I've heard of that hand described, and maybe you've heard this already as well. We, that, that hand comes out and it grabs Peter's hand. And it's described as the grip of grace helpless. He was helpless. He couldn't save himself. It's a picture of salvation. It's a picture of your life drowning in sin. The totality of this sin permeating, getting into your bones. My children, they like to watch these documentaries. They're horrifying. They give you nightmares, but they're about these dangerous animals. I think it's called 72 Dangerous Animals. And they, they, they learn about these caterpillars and about these snakes and these different things that you find in Australia, especially. And, and they, they come after you. And, and this one lady was describing a centipede that came in and it bit her. And she said, the pain that I had for 48 hours was so great that it felt like someone injected boiling water into my bones. And then she said, it felt like someone put my head inside of a vice and then they turned the heat up. And she felt that for 48 hours. That's what sin does to you. It gets into your bones. The problem is that with sin, you don't feel those symptoms like that lady did. Oh, if we felt, if we could feel the symptoms of sin every single day, you would run. You would turn. You would look to God. God's giving you a picture of who you are. God's showing you exactly who you are tonight. He's showing you what you're not. You're not righteous. He's showing you who you are. You are one of these people that avoid God. You put him to the side. And there's still people here tonight. And they're listening to these words. Is it going to be you listening to these words? And you're saying, "Mm, not sure. Not sure I fit the description. I'm not sure I'm one of those people. Would you agree with God? tonight. We don't ask for altar calls. We don't ask you to come up here. We don't pressure you. Nobody here is going to pressure you into salvation. But the Bible, God himself is imploring you to agree with him and not to be agreeing with yourself. What does God say about you? What is his analysis about your life? Scott was just telling me yesterday. I won't say who he's talking about, but he, he's a doctor. He sees lots of people. They, they saw this one, I think it was an x-ray, something to that effect. And he said when they looked at the analysis, they could see cancer all over the body. And he said it lit up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> Isn't that right? It lit up like a Christmas tree and they could see all that sin. This is what this chapter is doing for you tonight. It's that x-ray and you put it up against the light and you see what's really there. Do you know what? When you put yours up to that light, it lights up like a Christmas tree. The sin shows, even if you can hide it, the sin shows before God. Those people in Hebrews 11, that's man in his redeemed state. This is man as a ruined sinner. That's who you are tonight. If you don't get that, you won't get Calvary. Do you see now why God punished his son? 
You see why Christ had to go to such an extent, why he had to go so far, why he had to endure the cross and despise the shame, why he had to be nailed, why he had to shed his own blood, why he had to die. Why did he have to do so much? Because your sin was so great. That's why Christ died on the cross. If you understand your sin, you'll be able to understand the Savior. There's people who do different things when they come to salvation. And they think that, well, one day when I meet God, there's something I'm going to be able to do. Maybe, uh, you know, here we're hearing now. Just read an article the other day about this guy. We'll mention his name, but anyway, famous musician. He's, he's standing before judges, and he's ratting or snitching on all the people that were his friends at one time. And the reason why he's doing that is because he's getting a plea deal, plea bargain. It, basically, he had 47 years to look forward to in prison. Now he just has a few. He just ratted on his friends. Oh, they did it too. Oh, well, he did it too, and he did, and he did this, and he did that, and he's connected to him, and she's connected to her, and so on and so forth. Okay, fine, we'll reduce your sentence. It's not going to happen in heaven. Not one of us are going to be able to say, those of you who aren't saved, you will not be able to go to God and say, well, look what he did. Oh, and look what she did. If I tell you what so-and-so, if I tell you where Jimmy Hoffa's buried, will you reduce my sentence? No, 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 no. There's nothing you can do or say to God that will reduce the sentence. There was another man just a few years ago, Slobodan Praljak was his name. He was a, a Croatian or a Serbian war criminal. And he was before that great court in The Hague, and he stands before those men, and the sentence goes forth, just like this one has gone forth. And he heard the verdict, and he said this, I have poison in my hand. That sentence is not true. I am not a war criminal. And then he opened that little vial, and he swallowed it. And a few hours later, in the hospital, he was pronounced dead. And he thought he got away with it. Is that what you think? That at the end, they'll just do something. It won't happen. When you stand before an almighty God, and your sins are put before him, and the books are opened, and the sins are read, there's nothing you'll be able to do. God will judge you. You will be in eternity forever and ever. And there will be no second chance. It's so great that we can talk about this, not because it's enjoyable, but it's so great that we can talk about this because this allows us to understand the cross. It allows you to understand the cross. If you miss this, you miss heaven. If you miss this, you miss salvation. If you miss this point, you will not be saved. Do you agree with God? Do you agree with what he says? Do you agree with the verdict? Do you agree with the analysis? Do you agree with what he's saying about you tonight? Well, if you agree, then hopefully you'll agree about the Lord Jesus as well. We trust that you will agree about the Lord Jesus Christ himself as well. If you will agree with God, then you can receive salvation. Look to what God's word says. Look to what God is saying about you. Consider what's coming before you and stand on this. Talked about faith. What do you believe in? Stand on this. I know I am a sinner, but I also know that a helpless sinner, though I am, 
the Lord Jesus Christ came to the world and he died for me. Stand on God's word. Trust it. Believe it. And you will be saved.